Welcome to OVS Orbit, the podcast for Open vSwitch users and developers. This is episode number 53. In March, the ACM SIGCOM SOSR conference awarded Open vSwitch the second annual Software Systems Award. This episode is a talk that I delivered internally at VMware at its Open Source Day event in February as a kind of retrospective on Open vSwitch development and our successes and failures over its first 10 years. On to the talk. Uh, thanks to everyone for coming. Uh, so today I'm going to talk about a project that is uh, near and dear to my heart, uh, Open vSwitch. So uh, we started the Open vSwitch project at NYSERA in 2008, uh, more or less. And our, our goals uh, from the beginning were a little bit vague. Uh, we didn't have a clear idea of uh, what we ultimately wanted to do, uh, but we did start with uh, some folks who had a pretty good idea of how to run a free software project, or uh, as uh, we, we often say these, uh, these days, uh, uh, an, an open source uh, project. So um, I'm going to talk about some of the things we did uh, that worked out well, and some of the things that worked out less well. Uh, and uh, my, my hope is that we can all uh, learn a bit from this. Uh, some of it takes a, a bit of uh, self-reflection uh, to come up with. I'm going to class these things as successes and failures, but I mean, really, it, it's, it's more mixed than that. Uh, and uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to try to, be, uh, to try to talk about it on, on both sides uh, as I go along. So. Probably a good place to start is what is Open vSwitch? Because I suspect that a lot of the people in the room uh, don't know. And it probably isn't uh, uh, necessary uh, to go into a lot of detail because the sorts of uh, lessons I'm going to be talking about you can understand without knowing a lot. Uh, but still, it, I, I think it's worth saying a little bit. So uh, it's an open source project that we started, as I said, uh, around 2008. Uh, at NYSERA, uh, which was a startup that uh, was founded in uh, 2007 uh, and uh, later in 2012 uh, acquired by VMware. Uh, so it, its goal is to be a, a software switch. And when I say a switch, I mean something like an Ethernet switch where uh, you, you, might, uh, <clears throat> you might have one on your desk and plug Ethernet cables into it. Um, or uh, you might have a corporate data center with something uh, much, uh, much higher end than that. Uh, but in this case, it's a switch that's implemented in software. So uh, it can switch packets that, that come from virtual machines. Uh, you might see uh, in, in this, uh, this diagram, there's, there's a virtual machine, and then OVS is in the middle, and then there's a physical Ethernet over here. And in general, uh, it uh, takes packets from one and hands them over to the other. And the, the reason that, uh, that we needed a, a software switch uh, was that there, there weren't really a, a large selection of these available at the time. And we knew that we wanted to do something uh, in uh, switching and virtualization, even though we didn't have a lot of uh, detailed knowledge behind it. We knew we wanted, to be, wanted it to be portable uh, so that it could run in various environments, uh, mainly because we weren't sure uh, where ultimately we wanted it to run. Uh, and we wanted it to be fast. Um, there were actually some switches out there that, uh, that satisfied some of our requirements, but were very slow. Um, and uh, probably um, most of all, we wanted it to be programmable. 
so that uh, if, if you have a, a piece of software uh, sitting on some other machine in the network, then it can connect to OVS uh, running on a hypervisor or running somewhere else and, and tell it what to do with packets. Um, and uh, programmability is something that you didn't really find in any of the switches uh, at the time, so that was new. So uh, that's an overview of uh, what OpenVSwitch is, and now let's uh, uh, move on uh, to uh, some of the, the lessons that I'm hoping to convey. So uh, let me just summarize uh, some of the overall successes of the project, and then we can uh, get on to the, what I consider the, the more interesting stuff. So uh, OpenVSwitch is the data plane component of VMware NSX on KVM, on Windows, uh, and in our uh, public cloud environments. Um, outside of VMware's applications, it's widely used in uh, Zen environments, uh, in KVM, uh, in OpenStack, uh, up and coming in other environments like uh, Kubernetes. Um, one of the signs that I, I see of it uh, being a, a lasting success is that when someone starts up a new software switch project, they inevitably compare it to OpenVSwitch, uh, showing how it's uh, better than it in some way. Uh, usually performance, uh, because uh, um, most uh, software switches seem to be obsessed about performance in a way uh, that while we're concerned with it, uh, we're not in open vSwitch land. And uh, when I went to Google Scholar uh, yesterday and typed uh, open vSwitch in, in double quotes, uh, I found that there's over uh, 5,000 academic papers that cite it, so it's been uh, quite successful in uh, academic environments as well. And actually, the, uh, the thing that, that prompted me to uh, write this talk uh, and propose it uh, is that uh, recently we found out that uh, OpenVSwitch won the 2018 ACM SIGCOM uh, SOSR uh, Software Systems Award. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. Um, it's only... Uh, thank you. It's only the, uh, the second time uh, that it's uh, been awarded, so I'm, I'm going to go uh, uh, along with uh, some of the other uh, authors of OpenVSwitch to uh, receive that award uh, in Los Angeles at SIGCOM in March. Uh, and uh, three years ago, uh, we also won the, the NSDI uh, Best Paper Award uh, for our, our paper about OpenVSwitch. That's a little stale, I guess. So uh, let me uh, jump into the things that I think are uh, worthwhile lessons, things that I, I, I feel like uh, if, uh, if we'd left them out, uh, we wouldn't have been uh, nearly as successful uh, as, as we have been. So uh, the, the first of these is that I really have to give a lot of credit uh, to the environment that we uh, stepped into. Uh, in 2007, 2008, when we were starting out, uh, there was a lot of open source virtualization uh, out there. Uh, there were uh, many of uh, what uh, we would now call public clouds where you could uh, uh, go and, uh, and rent VMs. I, I still have one at a, at a, um, at a site that I uh, uh, started uh, renting a VM uh, back in 2007, actually. Um, but the, the issue was that uh, on the networking side, and, and networking was really always kind of a, uh, a secondary uh, consideration for these clouds. Uh, there really wasn't a, a great uh, software switch, uh, a virtual switch for them to use. Uh, so there were a few possibilities. Uh, you could use the Linux bridge, which uh, is, is great as far as it goes, uh, but it's just not very featureful. Um, you could use a, a couple other uh, switches uh, whose names have uh, uh, faded in my memory. Uh, and their, their main uh, um, disadvantage was that they were very slow. 
Um, if, if you need something other than that, um, your, uh, your possibilities were limited. So we, we were stepping into an environment uh, that was uh, um, sort of ripe for something better. Uh, we, we were kind of in the, the right place at the right time and, and we filled a gap. So um, a couple of the other things uh, were that uh, when, I, when I think about the folks who uh, founded NYSERA, uh, who were uh, Martin Casado, who uh, had recently graduated with a PhD um, along with me at the same time at, at Stanford, um, and uh, Professor Scott Shanker from Berkeley, and uh, Professor uh, Nick McEwen, uh, who was uh, Martin's advisor at Stanford, um, they uh, have amazing uh, connections uh, in, uh, in networking. If there's uh, uh, going to be uh, some sort of uh, new idea in networking, then they know somebody uh, who's, who's involved in that. Uh, they, they also, as it turned out, had some uh, pretty impressive uh, business connections. Uh, Martin and Scott spent a lot of 2007 and 2008 uh, traveling around uh, to various uh, potential uh, users and, and customers. And uh, it, uh, they, they spent a lot of time thinking, and they, they eventually came up with uh, something that was kind of a, a killer app, the, uh, um, the, the OpenFlow, the SDN, uh, and the, the network uh, virtualization. Uh, vision and really, I think the most valuable part of that for uh, <clears throat> Open vSwitch was that uh, that vision. Uh, I've I've kind of learned since then that uh, that if you don't have that uh, that big vision uh, driving you uh, from the top, it makes things a lot harder. Uh, uh, if uh, if if you have someone uh, uh, standing above you with uh, with a lot of context, uh, sometimes all it uh, all it takes is for them to say. Uh, go forth and build a network virtualization controller. Uh, and uh, that uh, just uh, uh, gives you uh, the, the right things to do. So I have to give a lot of credit uh, <clears throat> to the environment they were operating in. And uh, so what I really want to encourage people to, uh, to do in open source is to look for those gaps. Um, <clears throat> if there's a, an area that, that you think uh, has a shortage um, of, of useful software, consider writing it. And, and conversely, uh, there are a lot of areas where uh, there are uh, tons of uh, projects already. And uh, if, if you see an area like that, my, uh, my recommendation is uh, try, uh, try not to pollute it. We really had uh, some, uh, some, some good luck uh, hiring. And I, I can't emphasize enough how uh, you definitely need to, to work to make sure uh, you have the, the, the right people. Uh, I've, I've seen uh, projects where uh, there are four or five people working on them and they know just what to do. Uh, go way ahead of projects where there's a uh, uh, hundred or, or, or more people uh, working on it. And, and we hired the best people. We hired uh, uh, Justin Pettit, uh, Jesse Gross, and Ethan Jackson. And I have a, a great deal of, of gratitude to, to them. Um, from Martin here, you, you can see uh, a quote that he, uh, he gave on the Andreessen Horowitz uh, podcast uh, uh, back uh, last year where what, what he recommends is uh, uh, putting your, your best people on your open source because uh, that's what's going to uh, face outward uh, from, uh, from your company, uh, from your startup. Uh, and even though uh, that's kind of difficult, uh, still what he recommends. The, the other thing is that I, I feel like I hear a lot of people uh, kind, of, uh, kind of sneering uh, at, uh, at PhDs these days. Uh, they, they talk about them as uh, you know, being the, uh, the, the ivory tower folks. Uh, but I, uh, 
have had uh, great success uh, working with people who, whether they have PhDs or not, uh, they have kind of a, a research mindset. We, we built uh, OpenVSwitch as open source uh, because uh, we wanted it to be used everywhere. Um, our, our goal was to be able to sell a controller like, uh, uh, like NSX uh, these days to uh, as many people as possible. And uh, if you're going to build a controller, you have to have something to control. And so um, the, the more places you can install OpenVSwitch, whether it's on one hypervisor or another, or maybe even on bare metal, uh, the, the more people you can sell that controller to. Um, and we, we also had this, uh, uh, what, what I consider this, this wonderful synergy, where uh, what we were building was general purpose enough that other people could get value from it, whether they had our controller or not. So you had you know, academics who wanted to do experiments and networking, and uh, they could uh, go ahead and do that with OpenVSwitch. And you had other people building other businesses uh, around uh, OpenVSwitch, and this just sort of generally uh, I expanded the, the potential users, and people were willing to go to, to some trouble to uh, make sure it was uh, available everywhere. Uh, and I was, as I was saying, uh, we, we hired people who have kind of a research mindset, so they were uh, willing to, uh, to go out, and uh, if you pointed them to a paper, if you pointed them to an area, they were willing to go out and find out how best to do that, and if necessary, go talk to Professor so-and-so and, and find out if, uh, if he or she had, uh, had new ideas. Uh, it worked out great, um, and uh, there's uh, all kinds of uh, interesting research ideas that have been implemented inside OpenVSwitch. Some of them are published, some of them are unpublished. Uh, and uh, I guess finally, my, my point on the topic of people is uh, you have to be kind, you have to be nice. Um, I've, I'm pretty aware of a bunch of open source projects where people are jerks, um, and it, it drives people away. Um, I'm probably a jerk sometime too. Uh, I, I try really hard not to be. Um, but in general, it, I feel like in the open uh, vSwitch community, uh, we're uh, pretty supportive and uh, friendly with people. Uh, whereas there are other mailing lists where I, I feel like uh, if I, I went out and sent a message that wasn't perfectly well informed, I'd, uh, it would be likely that somebody would uh, uh, jump down my neck. Project from scratch, why don't you just contribute to like Linux project? Why don't you improve it? To the, I know like you have this big vision to make it very general and uh, in open open source and. Uh, uh, general in the sense like for virtuous, uh, I mean uh, cloud or virtual switch. You know, I always ask this question, so I try to start in some open source project. People ask me why don't you just contribute the existing one? Though I know that one uh, may not be general enough. I, I guess. When it comes to the Linux bridge in particular, I think there's two answers. One is that I think OVS goes far beyond the, the, the scope of sort of the mission statement of the Linux bridge. I think the Linux bridge is meant to switch packets. Um, I don't think it's meant to be a general purpose programmable system. And then the other answer is that it's not portable. Uh, it only runs on Linux. And we wanted something that could run, say, even on hardware switches. The, and in fact, people use OVS as their uh, OpenFlow agent on hardware, hardware switches. Uh, so, uh, I mean, there, there's arguments that uh, that, that you, should, uh, you should do that. Um, I don't always disagree, um, but I, I feel like it was a legitimate uh, decision to, to build something new here. So I already kind of uh, talked a, a bit about uh, how uh, we didn't know what we were doing, so we built OVS to be general purpose. 
Um, that's worked out really well. I'm, I'm glad we did that. Um, if we built it just to do network virtualization, if that term had been invented, then it wouldn't be useful to people who uh, wanted to do anything else. And it probably wouldn't have been ported and we wouldn't have this big community supporting it. I'm going to talk about our failures. I think this is more interesting, actually. So let me talk about OpenFlow. So OpenFlow is the protocol that you use to program OpenVSwitch. Uh, at Nasira, we invented it. Um, and then we handed it over to Stanford, and then the OpenFlow Consortium, and then the Open Networking Foundation uh, to, uh, to standardize it. So some of the lessons that I learned here are uh, standards development organizations, uh, SDOs, um, are actually really bad at a lot of stuff. There were a lot of places in the original OpenFlow where uh, you could basically see that um, someone hadn't tried very hard, I hadn't tried very hard, or somebody else hadn't, because uh, we kind of assumed that it went, when it went through standardization, these obvious bugs would get fixed. They didn't. Uh, they didn't even try. They didn't even notice. Um, the, the stuff that happened in standardization was more like, well, is this the right color? Uh, it, it was disappointing. Um, it was an educational experience for me. Uh, I think I learned from it. Um, there are also these tendencies of SDOs to sort of uh, ignore reality. Uh, I remember one time uh, when I was describing something we needed from OpenFlow, uh, and uh, somebody stood up in the room, literally, and said, that is not in the spirit of SDN. Uh, we, we kind of invented SDN, so I was a little, uh, <laughs> little, little surprised to be told that I was you know, doing it wrong. Um, and then the other thing is, this is more of a positive thing, it could be a negative, uh, is that if you've got the right people in place in these committees, then it makes a heck of a difference. Uh, we, we had uh, one particular uh, OpenFlow uh, committee uh, chair uh, who, uh, he was a treasure. And as long as he was in place, uh, the whole process went great. And then he decided to walk away, and nothing has happened since. And uh, OpenFlow uh, is, is now unmaintained uh, because there's uh, just not enough uh, people with the right stakes in the process. Uh, it, it's basically OVS's uh, standard at this point. Um, and it, it prob probably there will never be an, another official release of OpenFlow. And I feel like uh, uh, partly uh, that's, uh, that's my fault. Hardware. So uh, we, we wanted uh, OpenVSwitch uh, to work with hardware switches uh, from the beginning. Uh, and when I say hardware switches, I mean the, so the sorts of switches where you have a very specialized chip in there uh, that just does switching, uh, as opposed to a, a general purpose uh, Oh, CPU. Uh, so this was our goal starting in like 2007, uh, but there turned out to be lots of problems with it. Uh, and a lot of those uh, just come down to the structure of the networking industry. Uh, all these uh, ASIC vendors uh, want to be as closed as possible. I don't really understand why, um, but they see uh, even things like basic spec sheets for their chips sometimes as extremely proprietary. Um, and uh, as a result, uh, you, you can't really publish any code uh, that relates to these things because they would necessarily expose uh, these company secrets. Uh, and so when a switch vendor takes one of these ASICs and builds it into their switch, uh, they will take your open source software, they, they will take OpenVSwitch, for example, and integrate it with ASIC, but they'll never tell you about it. Um, 
and sometimes you only find out that they used it because when somebody sends an open flow query to one of these switches saying, who are you? It says, I'm open vSwitch. <laughs> uh, and uh, so they, they treat your software as read only. Uh, they never send you bug reports. Uh, they, they never send you feature requests. Um, and uh, these standards development organizations actually cater this. Um, uh, when the open flow, uh, when the Open Networking Foundation uh, does plug fests uh, around uh, open flow implementations, uh, they actually make the, uh, uh, the participants sign NDAs so that they, uh, they, they won't share the results with anybody. So um, even though all these switch vendors were using Open vSwitch um, and finding various bugs in it, they would never tell us because they signed NDAs uh, promising not to tell us about bugs in our software. So uh, um, once or twice, we actually sent people uh, to these, uh, these plug fests to, uh, to be able to even get the bug reports. Can you speak of Cisco drive sale? Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to villainize Cisco, but they're not the, uh, they're not the offender here. Cisco definitely has some ASICs of its own, as I understand it. Um, but uh, a lot of the basic switching ones, I'm, I'm talking about the ones that, that you know, all the vendors uh, uh, use from you know uh, merchant silicon uh, type companies. They all have the same sorts of policies. Um, they're they're willing, uh, bizarrely enough, to to share uh, some of this stuff with each other and argue over it. Uh, but they'll shut out anybody who isn't uh, a part of their club. Uh, it, it was a huge problem. So uh, Open vSwitch still has no uh, public published uh, um, hardware switch support. It's all uh, locked away. Um, you know, I'm going to skip the, the kernel part. Um, we, we have to work with the kernel in summary, um, but we haven't been as good as, it, as good at it as we should have been. And so uh, here's, uh, here's the, the final slide I really want to, uh, to get through um, on what I call a community decentralization. So <clears throat> uh, years ago, uh, Open vSwitch was just starting uh, to get uh, outside contributions. And I, I went through the repo and checked here. And back in 2011, about 3% of our commits uh, came from outside, uh, well, Nicira at the time. Uh, and uh, over time, uh, we've done a, a really good job at uh, starting to uh, get contributions from outside as OVS has uh, become important uh, to, uh, to other companies, other projects, et cetera. And so uh, last year, um, about 50%, I think it was something like 49.5% uh, of, of commits uh, came uh, from sources uh, outside of uh, NYSERA slash VMware. Uh, and uh, if you look, there's, uh, th these, are the, the, these are the commits on this list here uh, that, that came from, uh, from various companies. And I, I had to uh, spend a little time doing this because uh, not everyone uses their, their corporate uh, email accounts. Um, but we, we have a, a fairly uh, strong representation from uh, uh, various, uh, um, various companies. So this looks pretty diverse. Uh, the problem is that, that hidden in these numbers and this is going to kind of sound like boasting, but really it isn't, is that uh, there's a kind of a single point of failure here. And that is that last year, um, about 20% of the commits were written by me. Um, of the all-time uh, re repository, about 40% of the commits were written by me. And uh, considering uh, the, the full history, um, about 57% of the commits 
were um, either authored or, or committed by me. So uh, I'm working on delegating and there are major parts of the project that are now dele delegated to other people, but I still feel like I have a, a big failure here uh, and it, it needs to get a lot better. You can't really have uh, uh, one person uh, be a single point of failure uh, for a project that's uh, important to uh, more than a, a small number of people. So I'm working on that. Ben, sorry, um, those last two bullets, what is the difference between the commits being yours and commits being committed by you? Uh, so if the commit's mine, it means I typed all that code. Um, if the commit was committed by me, it may mean that somebody emailed me the code and, and then I applied it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I have some thoughts uh, on the future uh, and, and where the project needs to go. Um, I'll, I'll go through these very quickly because I want to uh, uh, leave uh, time for questions here. So, uh, OVN. Uh, is the uh, Open vSwitch project that uh, provides network virtualization. So uh, something like uh, analogous to uh, an open source version of, of NSX. Um, and it's starting to get adoption. Our big failing here is that we haven't been promoting it very well. And we're uh, starting to work on that. So uh, pretty soon we'll have uh, sort of an install guide. Uh, we'll, we'll have a ovn.org uh, real website. Uh, we're working on that. Uh, containers are sort of the elephant in the room uh, these days uh, when it comes to uh, virtualization. Everybody's talking about Kubernetes. OVN integrates with Kubernetes, but uh, even worse than OVN itself, uh, it's hardly known uh, in, the, uh, in the Kubernetes uh, uh, environment. So uh, we're, uh, we're trying to promote it, but Calico is definitely the, uh, uh, the, the big winner there. And then beyond that, there's the question of, uh, do container folks actually care about networking? It seems like mostly they want uh, uh, to be able to send a packet to an IP address. Um, and uh, OVN's powerful. It can do a lot more. Does that matter? So uh, we're, we're trying to uh, work through that question. And then finally, uh, it seems like uh, a lot of networking in the container world especially is moving sort of up the stack from L2, L3, L4 uh, to proxies and service meshes at L7. Uh, does o o Open vSwitch or OVN have a role in this world? Um, uh, should we try to move things to a higher level? Uh, should we sort of uh, stay in our lane and uh, try to work with these things? Uh, should there be a new project? I don't know. That's something we're trying to figure out too. So uh, uh, let's, uh, let's open it up to questions. When did you realize you were missing the point of failure? Or you were becoming one? You know, this has actually been getting better. Um, I, I think I probably realized that within a couple of years uh, into the project, if, if we had done this talk um, like five years ago, uh, that number of you know 40% of the commits would be more like 70% of the commits. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm working hard at delegating, but I'm not very good at it. I'm much more of a, uh, uh, much more of a hacker than a manager. And it, it seems like the, uh, the skills you need for managing a project uh, versus uh, implementing the project are significantly different. When was your minimum viable product and who is your principal sponsor? Our minimum viable product uh, was probably what we ended up calling Open vSwitch 1.0, uh, which came out, I believe, in late 2009 or maybe early uh, 2010. 
So uh, that version, uh, if, if you look at uh, what a sort of a, a very basic uh, switch can do, so it had, uh, it had L2, it had VLANs, um, it had uh, some sort of uh, NetFlow, it had uh, um, uh, port mirroring, uh, and uh, this uh, was actually a big advance over what you could do with the Linux bridge. Uh, so uh, that, that was sort of our, our MVP for Open vSwitch. And did you have a principal sponsor who gave you money? Was that NYSERA? Well, uh, yeah. So NYSERA at the time was about 10 people. So uh, I guess the sponsor would have been our CTO, uh, uh, Martin Casado, at the time. Um, how did you guys do contribute to your project with you know, 50% split internal and external? No longer heavily internally developed. So, so code review is uh, actually uh, it's great. I, I love code review. Uh, so let let me tell you where that came from. So uh, when I was a founding engineer at uh, Nicera in uh, 2007, the only company I'd worked with uh, worked at before was VMware. So our code review practices uh, at Nicera were inspired by what I considered the, the best of the ones that I'd seen at VMware and uh, from the free software and open source uh, community. Um, I thought that some of the practices at VMware were extremely annoying, actually. So I, I threw those out, uh, and I, uh, I, I put in the ones that made uh, the most sense to me. Uh, our code review has always followed the, what I think of as the, the Linux kernel uh, code review uh, model where when you've got a patch, uh, you email it uh, to the dev mailing list, and then uh, anybody who's interested uh, looks it over, maybe they apply it, maybe they test it, and uh, when they have feedback, uh, they send it as a follow-up to the email. Uh, maybe they quote your code, uh, maybe they don't, uh, et cetera. Um, I found that uh, email is uh, really effective. Uh, people who are used to things like GitHub pull requests probably just make fun of me, uh, but Almost everything that is not email uh, has to eventually recapitulate the practices of email uh, where you have quoting and threading and replies uh, and, and all of that. Um, and it works for us pretty well. Uh, on your last slide, service proxy, um, service mesh, um, what's your thoughts on what should be our, what's your current thoughts on what are answers for those questions? I have more questions than answers. Um, I, I keep going to different people and asking them these questions. And the, the funny thing is that I, I, I never get the same answer. Um, I, was on the, um, uh, I was on the Packet Pushers podcast uh, earlier this month, and uh, Greg Farrow uh, told me that, that Service Mesh was uh, just a way of uh, applying ACLs to, uh, uh, to containers, which I think is wrong. Uh, but uh, when I uh, talk to other people, uh, they they tell me completely different things. Um, I I think I think what I really need to do here is uh, spend some time actually playing with this stuff. Um, I haven't done that yet. Um, do, do you do you have an opinion? Do you do you have uh, thoughts? Not yet. But I have, do. You have a, another question? But did you have a similar situation before? Because you've been working on it from two thousand and nine. So was it like? So I, I think What's the I think the closest thing uh, to this before was that uh, OpenVSwitch and OpenFlow are are not very good at uh, stateful stuff where 
um, you need to keep track of, of what's happening in a connection from one packet to the next as opposed to looking at each packet individually. And it took us a long time uh, to figure out a viable way uh, to do things like uh, stateful NAT, stateful firewalling, and so on. We, we came up with a reasonable solution. Um, maybe we can come up with something on uh, sort of the, uh, the, the same theme here. Uh, but I think more than, you know, can we implement this? The question is, should we? Uh, is, uh, are the projects out there? Are, maybe they are the right way to do it. I, I don't know enough yet. Um, and if they are, then it would be a little silly for us to, uh, to try to invent something to compete with something that already makes sense. There's, there's so much hype around these things, it's really hard for me to understand uh, whether they just fill a need, um, maybe, and that's entirely possible, or do they, uh, they also fill the need in a correct way uh, that shouldn't be superseded by some you know, better way to do it. And is it because all of this is not coming from traditional networking companies, but like Lyft and people who are not who did not build over standards and all that? Uh, is it so like a completely different mindset? I think it is a different mindset. Um, I tend to think of myself as being someone who doesn't have uh, the traditional networking mindset anyway. Um, I'm I'm a systems guy. I'm not a, a networking guy. Um, and it kind of strikes me as the people who are doing this, uh, this container stuff, they have a different mindset in, entirely too. Um, and I'm uh, trying, trying to understand that. I think that part of it is that they don't, they don't actually care about networking, they just want to get their job done, which is entirely understandable. Um, so uh, we'll have to figure out uh, whether, whether there's a, a better way to do it or whether there should be a better way. Or am I just protecting my turf? I don't know. Um, so for about 1,200 contributions last year, how many maintainers do you have? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, so let's see. Uh, there's a few different ways to uh, define maintainers. If, if you just define it as, say, the number of people who contributed at least one patch, there's hundreds. Um, if you uh, define it as uh, the number of people who, ha who have direct commit access to the repository, uh, I believe that's 16, um, and that's a, a mix of uh, VMware folks, former VMware folks, and people who have never worked at uh, VMware. And about how much of the time does that take? Uh, 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 to, uh, to do code review? Yeah, like there's 16 of them. Is it like an hour a week each, or is it? Oh, it's, it's not balanced. Um, I, I, I think that I probably do more code review than anyone else, but there are areas where I don't do any of it, uh, like our Windows data path. Um, there's a, a fellow at, at Cloudbase, uh, which is a company based in, I think, Romania, uh, and he's, he's the expert on that. He's sort of the Windows maintainer. Um, when it comes to the DPDK data path, uh, there's a, a fellow at Intel who does uh, uh, most of that work. And, and then there's some other sort of less uh, clearly defined sub-areas that, that people tend to do most of the review for. So many of maintainers from different companies, uh, are there ever conflicts between of course, there's conflicts between uh, between people, but I'd, I'd actually say there's um, more conflicts between people at VMware. I mean, uh, we it, just just because we're at the same company doesn't mean we don't conflict. Uh, but we're all uh, decent about it. I mean, technical disagreements, and we have technical debates, and it works out.
So, um, kind of building up on this question, uh, I was wondering if you have people contributing from outside and inside. Um, do you guys meet often to prioritize what should be worked on next so that it's strategic? Outside people know what's coming, they build on top of it, or they align better? So, uh, well, <clears throat> I, I guess there's uh, a few different things going on there. So. Uh, we, for some of our sub-projects, we have weekly meetings that take place uh, um, either over IRC or in conference calls uh, so that everybody syncs up. Uh, we have sort of a, a by-release list of things that various people are planning to work on so that people uh, know uh, what's coming up. Uh, we've had an annual conference for the last four years where about uh, two to three hundred of us uh, come together uh, in, in the Bay Area uh, and uh, we do uh, uh, two days of, of talks uh, where people talk about what they're thinking about or, uh, or what they've done. Um, in, in general, people tend not to uh, keep very, very long sort of development out of the tree. Um, usually, uh, people work on something for maybe a couple of weeks and then they'll send the patches. Um, the, the real uh, problem, and I think Darren uh, alluded to this in one of, his, uh, uh, one of his slides this morning, that if you go off and you work on something for six months and you come back and you try to, try to dump it in, uh, that can cause real problems. Maybe uh, somebody will just say no. Uh, and the, the best solution to that is just don't do it that way. Um, do things in smaller chunks. <laughs> All right, you're, you're welcome. OVS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons Unported 3.0 license. The intro and bumper music in this episode is excerpted from Electro Deluxe by My Free Mickey and the outro from Girls Like You by Stefan Kartenberg, both under the Creative Commons Attribution Unported 3.0 license. For more episodes of OVS Orbit, visit ovsorbit.org, or for more information about OpenVSwitch, visit openvswitch.org.